0: reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart.
1: Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Greg Olson, inviting you to check out my new Blue Wire podcast, TE1, where I interview tight ends throughout the history of the NFL who have helped revolutionize the position. TE1 is presented by the Chevy Silverado. The Silverado is all about grit. It's strong and dependable exactly like playing tight end just like the incredible players we sit down with on the podcast the chevy silverado is in a league of its own strong advanced and dependable download te1 today wherever you listen to podcasts baker mayfield undraftable off my board the cleveland browns select baker mayfield Welcome into to the Orange and Brown Film Breakdown Podcast. We are going to chat about the Browns' upcoming tilt in Dallas, which should be a really interesting matchup between two teams who are looking to uh, to navigate an important game in their schedule. We'll talk about that. Coming up. Before we do, shout out to our sponsors at DoorDash. Restaurants need us. We've counted on them. They need us through the tough time, and we are still seeing some restaurants in a tough spot. Make sure you're taking advantage of the opportunities at DoorDash who's giving you a chance to order food easily with their app. And if you want, you can open that app, choose your food, and get the contactless, safe delivery where they'll leave it outside your door. You can choose from restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and hey, the Cheesecake Factory. I know I myself have used it for Chipotle recently, among many other things. It's a great way to get food delivered to your door and save you some time in the process. They have many of your favorite local restaurants that are still open for delivery too. So just open that app, select your favorite spot, and your food is on its way. Right now, our listeners... To this podcast, get $5 off and $0 delivery fee on their first order of $15 or more when you make a download of the DoorDash app and enter that promo code BLUEWIRE. That's $5 off and $0 delivery fee on your first order. So make sure you're using that promo code BLUEWIRE. Again, that's promo code BLUEWIRE, $5 off your first order with DoorDash. Now we're going to talk about the Dallas Cowboys who are 1-2 and and uh, have played, I think, three pretty good teams you might laugh at me when you hear me say the Falcons are a pretty good team but they've been in and should have won many of the games they've been involved in right like they had Dallas beat week one some fluke things happened at the end obviously up on the Bears pretty comfortably before some weird things happened at the end there so Atlanta is a team that's pretty good. Yeah, they don't close games, but that's, you know, being in those games and being ahead in those games means you're you're pretty good in general. They should have to close them. The Rams, we've seen, are very good. Came back, should have beat the Bills to go to three and oh. Weird, unfortunate pass interference call changed the outcome of that game. And then they played the Seahawks who are three and oh and have a quarterback who's playing some of the best football in the league. And it should be noted that Dallas has played all three very close, right? They lost 17 to 20. Uh, to To the Rams. They they obviously came back and won by a point on a last second field goal against the Falcons 40-39 and then lost by a touchdown in Seattle last week. So this is a good football team led by Dak Prescott. Obviously, we've all heard about the contract situation trying to work that out. He has thrown 96 for a buck 43. Uh, sorry, 96 for 143. 67% completion percentage, 1,188 yards, five touchdowns and only two interceptions. Uh, obviously, on his per game rate, looking really good. 396 yards a game. The guy is slinging it around. And he's slinging it to a bevy of good receivers, and we are going to talk to, talk to John Owning of the Dallas Morning News, who uh, who who does a great job covering them, and uh, he will provide some really good insights on sort of where they're at and uh, some some areas of obvious strength and some areas of obvious weakness that Brown the Browns will be trying to exploit, um, you know, come come an interesting game uh, this weekend, and you know what's particularly interesting to me when you look at, and you look at Dallas is. You know, sort of how they're using that skill, talent, and that CD Lamb, Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, which is as good an eleven personnel group in the league right now. CD has, uh, in playing predominantly in the slot, is is CD sixteen for two thirty. Hasn't scored a touchdown, but has been a dangerous threat. Uh, you know Michael Gallup has gone for 246 yards on on just 11 receptions hitting 22 yards per catch which is ridiculous has a touchdown had a deep ball against the Rams that was overturned for an OPI which was just strange call Um, but Amari Cooper is more of their I guess air quotes here possession receiver who works the intermediate areas of the field 25 for 267 and then Dalton Schultz who stepped up for Blake Jarwin has 14 for 147 so they have a bevy of players who are receiving the football really well. Then you mix in Ezekiel Elliott's 15 for 88 and a touchdown, and then also include breakout last week from Cedric Wilson, who had five catches for 102, or sorry, for 107 on the season now, and a couple touchdowns leading in the receiving department. They have four receivers that can make an impact. They have a tight end who can make an impact and uh, is playing good football. And obviously they have one of the best backs in the NFL, Ezekiel Elliott. Elliott has run 58 times for 219, three touchdowns. Dak has also shown... Uh, a willingness to use his legs this year as he has gone uh, 14 carries 74 yards 5.3 a pop also scored three touchdowns so look man as far as skill talent goes the Browns might not play a better skill talent group just like the Bengals I think have a really interesting and dynamic skill talent group obviously Dak Prescott much further along in the in the process than, than Joe Burrow but uh, as far as like just skill talent, um, you know, the Cowboys are, are obviously an upgraded version of what I thought the Bengals had a pretty good group of. The problem for Dallas is obviously looking at their offensive line, which is in shambles. They have lost Lael Collins. They did not have Tyron Smith last week. They bumped Zach Martin out to right tackle, who's traditionally been a fantastic guard or center for them. And uh, they've 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 just lost a ton of pieces. Uh, obviously had their center retire for the for the you know beginning of the season like Travis Frederick retired at the beginning of the season and you know sort of left them with a surprise there and a spot to fill that they have not been able to fill and then you mix in the injuries and you 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 can certainly see that it's it's a, it's an uncomfortable situation so you know we're not going to spend a ton of time talking about the Cowboys beforehand here because I think John does a great job uh breaking them down and he'll give you more information from a, a close perspective than I obviously can so, we're you know, we're going to move on. I, I will say what's interesting to note is that this is a I think the Browns are 17 and 14 all time against Dallas, much like many Browns rivalries. It's been, you know, the Browns got their lead in, in the advantage side of things in the 60s, 50s, 60s, 70s. The Browns have not won in Dallas. I should say not in Dallas Dallas. The Browns haven't won against Dallas since 1994. That was a Bill Belichick season. They went into Dallas and uh, and beat Dallas, but they have not won since 1994, lost the last three straight. Zico Elliott dominated in 2016, the last time they got together. So Cleveland is hungry. They're two and one. And you might think that that means Cleveland could lay, you know, lay low a little bit at this game. It doesn't matter as much, but I don't think that's the case. I think they're they look at the next two games against the Colts and the, um, you know, and certainly w- with Pittsburgh playing good football too, that this is a game they feel like they they really need to win to take advantage of Dallas, who has some injury situations going on uh, at some important spots. So if they are able to, this is a good time to get Dallas, right? Because they're dealing with, like I said, a lot offensive line struggling in terms of health and 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 it's just it lines up with the situation where you could see the Browns going into Dallas and stealing one and putting Dallas in sort of flux under Mike McCarthy. So we're just going to see. I think it's a situation where Cleveland's offense aligns really well against what Dallas's defense struggles with and um you know, obviously it's going to be a challenge slowing down Dak in this group, but the Browns' defensive strength is something that Dallas Dallas struggles with and that's offensive line play right now. So I'm fascinated by it. I think it's going to be an interesting football game, and I, I'm really looking forward to the bright lights that come with playing in Dallas. Even if it's not a full house, the fans aren't there. There's some fans in the stands, uh, a certain capacity number, but it's not a full house. But it will be a really fun environment and feel like a normal football game in, in terms of an uh, atmospheric situation. So before we get to John's interview, though, I'm going to talk about the folks at Pepsi who do a great job. You know, many of us lack a natural athleticism or commitment. I know I pretty much do. You know, there's there there certainly is... <laughs> There certainly are people who are just watchers and there are people who are doers, uh, you know, and instead of entering the NFL, those people have joined a different league and that's the league of football watchers. This football season will be different and Pepsi's here and ready for your game day experience no matter how much you watch. So Pepsi's the refreshment you need to power through any day because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi made for watching football. So grab yourself a Pepsi, crack it open, and let's talk about the Dallas Cowboys with John Owning. John does a great job with film content and any sort of analytical role with the Cowboys. He's at John J-O-H-N, owning O-W-N-I-N-G on Twitter. And again, he writes for at DMN Dallas Morning News on the Cowboys. Does a great job. So make sure you're following John. And let's get over to that interview with him right now. So, John, I'm looking at the Cowboys, man, and I and I and when I think of them from afar, because we don't see each other for every four years. It's, you know, it's obviously these divisions across conference, and then it's, Uh, the rotation of things, and the the Browns are familiar with the Giants. feels like they play them far too often, Um, but for some reason the Cowboys and Browns never really find time for each other all too often, so this is exciting. I know people... Dallas is a national brand and some of my friends that I went to school with here in Ohio are Cowboys fans and it dates a while back so to get them on the schedule and especially to travel to Dallas because the Browns haven't been to Dallas since 2012 I don't think so it's been a long time it's it's going to be fun for Browns fans to see that environment so we're going to talk about your Cowboys man and they're they're lighting up the scoreboard right like as as far as I can tell it's the best 11 personnel group in the skill group in the entire NFL what talk a little bit about chemistry going between those guys and uh you know what what they're doing to find success right now
0: yeah i mean the Cowboys' 11 personnel grouping especially the three receivers with amari cooper cd lamb and michael gallup have really been electric this year i mean they've been able to stress defenses short intermediate and late and deep i mean michael gallup gallup's proven to be an incredible deep threat through the first three weeks uh Mari, Cooper has been able to win at really every level of the defense with his route running ability, his pacing. He's done a good job finding weak spots in between zones. And then CeeDee Lamb, he's done been really, really effective on over routes versus zone coverage. And he's also been pretty effective against press man coverage from the slot when he has a two-way go. They haven't really put him on the outside as much and asked him to win. They've been kind of scheming him up more opportunities than they have for, say, Amari Cooper or Michael Gallup. But he's been in really, really effective with the chances he got in the – Another guy who's really stepped up for the Cowboys' 11 personnel is Dalton Schultz in the absence of uh, Blake Jarwin. Coming into this season, Dalton Schultz was seen as a primarily a blocker. He's someone who didn't really capitalize on his receiving opportunities in the past. But this year, in the last two games, he's been really effective. I've been impressed with his improved route running. His, uh, still, his hands come and go. He still has about a drop a game thus far, which is a little bit annoying, but you take it when he contributes well as a blocker. He's improved route running, allows him to get open, and he's a good um, option for Dak to dump the ball off to. They use him on a lot of those like little delayed screens or delayed little flat routes. Reacts like he's blocking and delays out to the uh, flats for Dak to be a little check down. So he's really effective in those spots. I really think the issue the Cowboys have is they've kind of been shooting themselves in the foot. I mean, everybody saw against the Falcons that they had like three fumbles in the first four possessions of the game. Against the Seahawks, they had a couple interceptions. The offensive line is a really ragtag unit right now. We're not sure if Tyron Smith is going to be back this next week. We know Lyle Collins isn't going to be back this week, so it's going to be interesting to see what the Cowboys do. They've been really... The guys that have really struggled most of them, in my opinion, have been Connor Williams, Joe Looney, and then the undrafted rookie Terrence Steele, who, who has been the starter at right tackle recently. They have really been taken advantage of by the opposing defensive lines, and this isn't the same offensive line that we've come accustomed to at the Cowboys, but Dak Prescott has been making do with what he can. He's been playing. I think Dak Prescott's been playing incredibly well given the circumstances surrounding him. He's been accurate, deep, intermediate, and short. He's been making really good decisions with the protections, play calls at the line of scrimmage. He's been doing a good job with all of that. So I think the offense, if they can put together a full game without shooting themselves in the foot, I think you're going to really see them even be even more potent than they have been in the last couple of weeks. And we've seen they put up a ton of points.
1: Yeah, I think that the fear of, you know, a lot of Cleveland fans is is how on earth do they manage the situation. They haven't faced, you know, Baltimore has a unique offense, but they certainly lack wide receiver talent from top to bottom in a cohesive fashion. They're tough to cover uh, due to play action, the threat of play action that's really unique across the NFL, but it's not the same. And then obviously, you know, Cincinnati has a pretty solid wide receiver group, you know, A.J. Green through to, to to Tyler Boyd, to John Ross, but they didn't have the time to throw. There was a perpetual fear they had in Cincinnati that they couldn't get the football off because Cleveland's defensive line is playing pretty good football right now, so they didn't challenge the football down the field really at all. And then Washington is just limited. I don't know what on earth they're doing. They're kind of all over the map schematically and just trying to figure out some you know, uh, things on the fly. So this is a unique game. And and what I think it will boil down to, John, is – you know much like last week cleveland plays a very vanilla defense right now and i don't know if that's a mixture of you know lacking the the necessary talent or 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 if they feel like they're not quite adept at communicating the the, the different things for for changing pre to post uh, coverage wise looks opening to closing or if they they don't feel comfortable blitzing and having the guys in the right replace spots i don't know but right now it's very uniquely uh, bland and i think that that's the the biggest issue for me is how on earth they're going to cover C.D. Lamb. They're playing Tavaer Thomas and M.J. Stewart in the slot, and and if you can get C.D. Lamb isolated on either a linebacker somehow, which is not that hard to manipulate, or one of those guys, it's going to give the Browns fits. Terrence Mitchell, Denzel Ward playing good football outside, and Ward should be able to go. Sunday so there could be some neutralization there for a little bit but the Browns weakness is you know coverage linebackers and certainly how they're going to play the slot so that's fascinating I know they put Zach Martin at right tackle uh, a little bit Sunday maybe the whole game I haven't I haven't really gone through everything and Connor Williams kind of shifted around how are they running I mean obviously you know Ohio people love Ezekiel Elliott they hold him in and, lore, man. and they pay attention, right? They, they pay attention mm-hmm. to how well he's doing all the time. And, and um, you know, that's, that's a big draw for, for Browns fans is getting to see Zeke play again because they just love him up this way. And, and uh, how, how are they doing run blocking wise? Are they committing to giving him the football? Are they trying to diversify his approach, get him the football and out of the backfield uh, catching the football a little bit more?
0: Yeah, in the first two games, they were really committed to the running game, but this last game, they kind of put the game in Dak's hands. So it's going to be interesting to see what the Cowboys do moving forward. That offensive line has been really inconsistent in the running game. There have been times where they're doing really – the thing that has been an issue with them, it seems like, has been really their continuity. They're really struggling a lot with combination blocks, with – you know, when to climb to the second level, what the aiming point should be. I mean, especially Connor Williams and Joe Looney in the middle. They've really had a lot of trouble. They've been tripping over each other. They've been overtaking at wrong at wrong times, releasing the defensive lineman at the same time, they'll climb to the same linebacker. They just had a whole host of communication issues up front there. And it was a little bit better with Tyler with the rookie Tyler Biedas in the in the game last week because Terrence Steele, the, when Terrence Steele went out last week with the flu, he Uh, They shifted Zach Martin out from right guard to right tackle. They moved Joe Looney from center to right guard. And they brought Tyler Biadas into uh, the center position, keeping Connor Williams at left guard and then Brandon Knight at left tackle. And that was kind of the best the Cowboys offensive line looked. So it's going to be interesting to see what the Cowboys are going to do this week with Terrence Steele back and Tyron Smith potentially returning. We're not exactly sure. I have my fingers crossed that he returns. So it's going to be interesting to see what kind of musical chairs they're going to kind of do there. I mean, Mike McCarthy's been extremely tight-lipped dating back to training camp, which is really new for the Cowboys who have pretty been pretty open with their personnel changes in the past and what they're doing. We really have no idea what they're going to be experimenting with up front. I have been someone who has advocated keeping Zach Martin at that right tackle position, mainly because I just don't trust Brandon Knight or Terrence Steele to block Miles Garrett at all in pass protection. So we'll see what happens. But Zico Elliott, as, when he's not fumbling the ball, he's running the ball extremely well. I think this is the best we've seen Zico Elliott run since his rookie year. He seems to have a little bit more bursty than he was, a little bit more acceleration through the hole. You're seeing his contact balance, his ability to break tackles, all those things that we know Zico Elliott is great at. And then in the passing game, he's been really up or down, just like he's had a couple fumbles running the ball. He's had a tr- issues with drops. He was credited with three drops against the uh, Seattle Seahawks. He This Cowboys screen game just hasn't really been as effective this year as it has been in the past, so he hasn't been really utilized that well in the passing game despite having a high volume of targets. So... It's going to be interesting. As long as he, he, just like the offensive, Zeke can stop shooting himself in the foot. I think he, he can have a really breakout performance like he did week one.
1: Yeah, his skill set aligns with Cleveland's weakness. I think Cleveland plays run defense pretty soundly. Very strong run fits. I think they've done a nice job maintaining things. And they have a good rotation up front. I mean, when you have Adrian Claiborne opposite Miles, they think they're going to get Olivier Vernon back this oh, week. Oh, nightmares. Don't, yeah. don't bring up Adrian yeah. Claiborne. <laughs> I up. swear every franchise we talk about Adrian Claiborne in the past decade, this guy has given them a game where they're like, oh, God, man, <laughs> man, don't talk about that guy. He's dealing with a little bit of an issue, too. I think he's got a groin thing going on. But he played through it, I think, 14, 15 snaps. They expect him to keep trying to give him some rotational snaps and Young guy Porter Gustin out of USC is playing okay too, and then inside, you know they they've got they've got Sheldon Richardson playing pretty good ball in the last year. of What people think is the last year of his contract, because there's an opt out situation there and you know Larry Ogunjobi and Jordan Elliott the Missouri kids playing pretty good too so that batch up there if Cleveland can kind of dictate the run game put the ball in Dak's hands not that putting the ball in Dak's hands is a formula for winning because he can he can win football games as we've seen but it does eliminate some of the confusion with run pass and and take a little bit of, uh, away from from play action which can always help in a football game but that fascinates me is how well the Cowboys offensive line if they get healthy this week if they get Tyron back or if they have to kind of piece things together how well they handle the Browns defensive line and if you know if they don't feel Cowboys don't feel comfortable they'll get the ball out quick and have some opportunities too i expect dallas to put points on the board if you could keep dallas under 30 in my opinion that's a win for cleveland uh i I don't know that cleveland will score enough to win there's a chance there as we'll talk about the defense here with dallas in a minute but you know i think keeping dallas under 30 is quite an accomplishment these days with how well they're clicking let's switch to that defensive side talk about the defensive line first they got alden smith yes that alden smith has come back and he's still really good Um, playing good football, as far as I can tell from afar. You can touch on that here in a second, John. You said to Marcus Lawrence out last week, might be back this week. They have Everson Griffin strong on the outsides. Talk to me about how those three pass rushers are looking and then sort of what's going on inside. I know Tristan Hill had a little bit of an incident this past week too. Uh,
0: The pass rushers kind of been disappointing, really. They haven't been able to put together a full game. I mean, Allen Smith through the first two games wasn't very effective as a pass rusher, really only flashed maybe one or two good pass rushers a game. And then against the Seahawks, who really took advantage of Dwayne Brown and uh, Brandon Shell on the other side. He was really effective with his – the thing about him is he has a really interesting rush style because he's not someone who uses really athleticism. He more of uses like intricate footwork to create two-way goes against offensive tackles, and then he uses stutter steps to check where they're leaning, and he'll just go the opposite of whatever, wherever, wherever they are leaning. So he was really effective with that last week. It's going to be interesting to see if he can continue that this week with – against the guys like jack conklin and and um to see if he could be effective there but demarcus lawrence he he's been more he's in my opinion been the cowboys most consistent pass rusher the problem is the opposing offenses are sending still a lot of double teams and chip blocks his way and teams have been using a lot of play action against the cowboys because they've been having leads so the cowboys pass rush hasn't been really able to pin their ears back and really get after the quarterback they Continually have to honor the run action that the offenses are throwing their way and then Everson Griffin. I would say has been the most disappointing of all of them. He really has no real one-on-one wins this season to speak of all of his pressures have come on cover due to coverage or, you know, as an unblocked defender on a on a bootleg something like that. He's been Really disappointed. I think ESPN came out with their pass rush win, win rate yesterday that which measures how often a pass rusher wins within two point five seconds of the snap. And Emerson Griffin had a zero point zero percent pass rush win rate, which I, did, pretty wow. it might <laughs> yeah, I didn't <laughs> pretty know they did impressive in my opinion. Pretty impressive. Which is disappointing because I thought he was gonna be really a a really good addition to the Cowboys pass rush. He has racked up over sixty pressures in I think like five of the last six years. He's really has been a really effective and well-rounded defensive end in the past, but he just hasn't been that this season. He's been, he's just been oh. a really average replacement-level player, which is just what not what you want. And then in the a lot of Browns history, fans uh, in this community. Oh, no, you're
1: fine, man. I was just gonna say a lot of Browns fans were all in on trying to
0: chase Everson, so that's interesting to hear. Keep going. Yeah, and then at the defensive tackle positions, it's been, it's been inconsistent, like it has been on the outside. Tristan Hill has really flashed. Uh, which is which us in the Cowboys nation have been really happy to see because he was really really disappointing as a rookie to start to see him really flash high level talent is something that's been really encouraging for us to see but he has yet to put put together a really consistent performance. And then Don Terry Poe hasn't really made the impact that we've hoped he just has kind of been someone who's been getting stuck on blocks. He hasn't been holding up against double teams as well. He's been kind of getting pride open a little bit, getting soft edges, easy running lanes for the opposing running backs. And then Tyron Crawford has also been disappointing. He's someone who he's extremely active. He's one of the hardest workers on the team. He's always hustling to the ball, but he's just been stuck on blocks. He hasn't been resetting the line of scrimmage as much as you would like to see in the passes he did at defensive end. He's playing a lot more three technique in the B gap this year. So he's, He's kind of been struggling with that transition back to defensive tackle. So the defensive line coming into the season, we were hoping it was going to be the strength and really carry the defense, but it's been pretty average, I would say, so far.
1: It's certainly the Browns' favor. If, if you look at just how this team's playing. I mean, Heller. Yeah,
0: scares the heck out of me.
1: Yeah, well, he's, I mean, listen, we thought he could be something when they traded for him at the beginning of the year. They kind of fought with Eric Cush to play. Um, last year and then kind of came on at the end of the year. And then we thought, okay, you know, you get him going with, with Bill Callahan, maybe there's something that they can figure out to get some consistency going. And, like, we've all stepped back and said, wow, it might be time to consider jumping out in front of a contract for this young man. Because, you know, we, we hold Joe Batonio, who's been – we call him the survivor, man. He's survived since 2014, and, and he's been through so many transitions. He's an all-pro level guard, and Wyatt Teller's playing him. They're both the top five graded guys in the league at their position – and then, you know, you mix in steady play of Jack Conklin, Jedrick Wills playing a little bit above what he's able, we thought he would be able to do right away, switching right to left side, he's played pretty well, and J.C. Treader is just a consistently tough center and plays every every dang week, man, it's a good Browns offensive line, and I think many people would consider them a top five group playing in the league right now, you know, they handled Washington, who I think, you know, they lost Chase Young, and they lost Matt Ioannidis kind of mid-game, but That's a really good group in the box, and they were able to handle them and manipulate them and do some different schemes that were putting them in a position to go for 150 rushing yards and they're protecting Baker well to the point that Baker finally, after last year's debacle, is sorting to kind of comfortably sit in. So the ability of that front four for Dallas to control the run game, not feel like they have to commit linebackers and or any sort of run blitzing to slow down Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt will be huge. Because if you do, then you start putting guys in on islands. And and we're going to talk about you know, some of these secondary guys. I know obviously some key names left and they're, they're down late in Van and injury and and uh, it's it's been leaky, I think, is a way to probably put it. It, it. I'm interested in where you think this linebacker to secondary group sits and what kind of
0: gives you concern uh, as you
1: push toward the end of the first quarter of the season.
0: Yeah, linebacker, the, Leighton Van Der Esch is out, so they've had Joe Thomas replace him. And I think Joe Thomas has really done a commendable job. I think at times he's even been better than Jalen Smith. But the thing that is the problem with the linebackers, it's the problem with the secondary, too. There's just too many miscommunications. There are too many issues on the fourth and three last week where the Seahawks were able to extend their drive and really really hurt the Cowboys' chances of coming back. It was on a play where Joe Thomas had a miscommunication, and he pushed too far to a exterior receiver when Olsen was curling up in the middle of the field, and that allowed him to pick up the fourth down and just keep draining the clock um Jalen Smith he's someone who does really good when he plays in in a linear fashion if you ask him to attack the gap in front of him he does a really good job he can run into blocks he can even play off blocks adequately but if you are able to isolate him in coverage on option routes on crossing routes any of those things of the like he really really struggles especially when he has to move to his left and use that left that injured left knee that he injured in college to really uh drive off that foot to create acceleration he He got beat by Tyler Higby. He got also beat by Hayden Hurst in the first two weeks on isolation routes. Pretty, pretty bad. So they've been struggling there. It's been – the thing is that they're fast linebackers. So they flow to the ball really well. But when you add in misdirection, play action, they're moving one way and they got to react the other way. They really struggle there and they really struggle to get off blocks there. I think
1: that's what's fascinating too because – Cleveland is is kind of built and predicated on misdirection. They've been I I talked to you about you know them being sort of leaky, um you know, in coverage on the Cleveland side. And I think that kind of translates over. And it's ironic that those two mirror each other. You talk about miscommunications, and I don't know how many times I break down this all twenty two, much like you do and many others do. And I'm watching Cleveland and. There's guys just shuffling hands and trying to hand signal each other and communicate and it just leaves people open. They're just not they don't they're not all on the same page. And I think mm-hmm. that's a lot of the misdirection stuff that Cleveland will try to take advantage of with Dallas because you know, if you can get Baker moving, if you can get him shifting one side, booting back to the other or coming off drops and kind of, you know, changing course off of a drop, it's it's going to be interesting to see what Kevin Stefanski does. I thought last week it was the most vanilla approach I think I've seen from him dating back to his Minnesota days last year where he just kind of didn't want to show anything. They're very predictable in the passing game, and they just ran the football for a couple different types of schemes. I do think this game, they're viewing, is very important. In my opinion, they have uh, a, an Indianapolis team coming up a couple weeks uh, or after this game, and then they play uh, Pittsburgh, I think in Pittsburgh the following week. So they feel like this is a game that they might be able to get because only because what you talked about john with the injury issues on the offensive line and the injury issues that have reared itself sort of some important defensive positions and kind of at the early stages of reporting or sorry of replacing some important players so it's it's going to be really interesting to see how uh, sort of tricky kevin stefanski gets and and how that all mirrors itself out i think dallas you know they might be down some players in important positions but i do think it's one and two a football team that I think is a playoff worthy football team in a division that they should win um and, and there will be plenty of wins ahead. So I, I do think listen Dallas one and two Cleveland two and one I think this game on paper you should say Dallas knows they have to get this. They can't avoid one and three but I think Cleveland's really going to put their foot down and try to do everything in the bag to come out with this one too. So I'm really fascinated man and and um this is good. This was great insight. As usual you uh you know you I've listened to some of your stuff before obviously very thorough and, and listen, Browns fans will appreciate this. I think they'll be, be very prepared for what happens on Sunday.
0: Hey, thank you. Appreciate it. Anytime in four years, I'll be happy to jump on again. Thanks for joining us today. I hope you have enjoyed before we do separate though.
1: I'm going to talk to you folks about the great opportunity that is still being presented from BetOnline.ag. right? With football back, you can get involved in all of the weekly lines, the player options, You can bet all of those. Throw yourself a parlay out there, betting on the Browns, covering the spread, Odell over the receiving yards, Baker over the passing yards. Make yourself some good coin. Go to BetOnline and take advantage of the welcome bonus that's there. You can also bet on futures that are still available, and they also have 24-hour online. Poker, blackjack available for you as well. So go to betonline.ag, use the promo code BLUEWIRE, and get that welcome bonus to get you started on the right foot. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word, BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Now, we're going to close with this. I think it's going to be a great game. I'm not sure Cleveland covers. Uh, it, so much of it depends on what they do defensively and if they change their game plan and and throw some things at Dallas that is unexpected. Maybe they get Greedy Williams back. We'll have to see. Uh, there won't be a ton of overhaul-like changes. Uh, you know, you'll know, you still see Sandejo playing a ton of free safety. They they The big letdown there is that Sheldrake Redwine has not been able to be an a impact player at all, find the football field at all in that position, and Ronnie Harrison doesn't play that role. Now, they could throw some changes out, and I hope they do. I hope they throw some things at Dallas, because this is one of the better offenses the Browns will face all year in terms of skill talent, and uh, hopefully they can confuse Dak a little bit, bring some pressure occasionally. And and find some ways to make life difficult on the Cowboys and offensively. I expect them to uh, to throw everything at the Cowboys in terms of being creative, screen game, tight end usage, boots, all that stuff. I think we'll see a full bevy of the playbook as we're now three weeks in. You know the Browns have a little bit more set down here. Uh, and settled in in the playbook. Uh, I'm going to be fascinated to see what Kevin Stefanski throws at them. So we appreciate you listening. Hopefully you're enjoying this preview. We will focus on one team. Go to the OBR if you want to. Every Wednesday, I'm going to try to get up in all 22 scouting notes. It's like 2,000 words. I try to really dive in on what the opposing team has done the week before. Uh, and kind of what their game plan was against the Browns and how it all panned out and how the Browns players are either progressing or regressing, what it looks like for them and sort of what the Browns did that was interesting game plan wise. And we do touch on, obviously, performance in there as well. There are videos embedded, you know, analytical numbers from Sports Info Solutions, pro football focus grades get tied in. It's really the best place that you can find a recap of the of a like a comprehensive look at what happened on uh, on game day the week before so that'll be up we'll get a baker mayfield piece up probably tomorrow morning looking at uh, what i liked and what i did not like from his performance and then we will also have up on friday for myself a piece at the obr on some schemes i would love to see the browns implement that come from this wide zone action system across the league looking at others what they have done and a little bit of what stefanski did back last year i'm hoping to see some of that soon too so check that out we always appreciate any support subscriptions To the iTunes uh, is fantastic. We have an OBR channel that will have content up once a week, one film room, which is always fun. You can learn something. We started with Baker Mayfield's performance week one. Week two was how Kevin Stefanski tied in the boot play action game and how they performed in it. And week three, we will touch on how this offensive staff is implementing scheme changes in game uh, and how it paid off for them in in week three's win. So we will do that. And like I said, subscribe to the YouTube channel, a subscription to the iTunes or Spotify, however you get this podcast is appreciated. We also appreciate support for the, uh, the orange and brown report, which you put out multiple times a week. Jared Mueller has taken over hosting that for me. I was just on that show that uh, came out on Tuesday. So make sure um, actually strike that it would come out on Wednesday. That show came out. So it can be found, uh, if you, if you just check out that channel, but like I said, subscriptions help us in reviews, written reviews are always fantastic. We love those. And also subscribe with us over at the OBR where it's just a dollar for your first month. So you can get your feet wet and feel what we can do for you over there. How we make football fun and covering the Browns and, and giving your experience with the Browns, just enhancing that experience, which I think is always important. You get all the inside information, you get insider notes, you get my, uh, my, my, my write-ups on the all 22 and many other little, little fun pieces of, uh, you know, film room content. And, uh, I think it's worth your time. So we appreciate that. Appreciate all the support. We will be back myself. I don't know if I'll have anybody on Sunday night. We'll see, but Sunday night, I'll come back on, talk about the game, break it down, give you my review. And then we will jump in next week and preview the next opponent, which I think is the Colts. It's, it's, uh, I think I could be wrong, but haven't looked that far ahead of the schedule. One game at a time, right? That's what we try to do. It's what a team does. We should do that as fans. Maybe. Whatever. Anyway, thanks for joining us. We appreciate all of the support. And until next time, go Browns. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history.